Rory is the story in Canada. Welcome to A Data Monday. Let's tee it up. Welcome to Data Access Golf, your home for rapid golf improvement. And now, from the thin air of the Rocky Mountains, next on the number one tee, your host, Aaron Stewart. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Data Access Golf, the podcast, a Data Monday edition, as we get in and discuss the data that matters with Rory's big win, a dominating win, and we'll get into some of those numbers that kind of show that, but it was quite an amazing weekend for sure. We also had some other winners, and we'll talk about them later in the week. Obviously, with Lex- Lexi Thompson and her wit, big win, which was awesome, and then Scott McCarron doing what he's been doing on the Champions Tour for quite some time, at least since he's joined, right, the last few years. He wins in Japan, which was a cool win as well. It's kind of tough to do a Data Monday when they're overseas because they don't really set up a lot of the, the tracking devices, but uh, anyway... So another, a very good win for Scott McCarron as well. So, but we wanted to jump right in on this Data Monday to Rory's big win because there's a lot to see in Rory and what he's been doing lately. Um, it was a, a dominant performance, one that we kind of got used to seeing from him earlier in his career when he won his first few majors um, at Congressional. But, uh, but this was a, a pretty amazing. We'll get into exactly why this dominance is so amazing. So... Uh, first and foremost, we like to go in when we start talking about Data Monday. The going into the final round, you have uh, three players who are playing quite well, and and then off the first tee, you have Webb Simpson and Rory McIlroy playing together. And off the first tee, uh, Rory takes out his driver and just rips something down there. I think he was probably maybe 30, 40 feet short of the of the green. And then you see Webb Simpson, who is not known to be super long, but he, he must not have trusted his driver or something. Um, but anyway, he, he ends up hitting down in the middle of the fairway. And he's like a hundred and, I mean, he is, he is like 140 yards behind Rory McIlroy. And at that point, you're thinking, oh dear. I feel awful for Webb Simpson, right? I mean... How can you feel like you've got a chance when you're looking at a guy who's laying one like you are and you have a hybrid in your hand and he's got some kind of a, you know, sand wedge? Uh, I'm sure that that, I mean, mentally, I can't even imagine what that did to Webb Simpson. Um, I mean, because it was, uh, I mean, it was crazy, right? So uh, that's how it starts. And Rory gets off to, I mean, Rory gets off to a pretty good start, right? He goes... Uh, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, birdie, par, birdie, for and makes the turn in 30, right? So now all of a sudden we go into crazy 59 watch, which which was possible, right? Because Rory, he, he pars 10, but then goes four birdies in a row. And we're thinking, this is, this is very doable. He pars 15, and then in, ah, just, he bogeys the par three, just kind of couldn't get up and down out of the sand. And, and so then you're like, oh, shoot. But then he turns around and eagles 17. I'm like, oh, my word. If he can birdie 18, it's a 59. He ends up bogeying in it. 
So he bogeys 16, Eagles 17, bogeys 18 for a 61, but gets the win, gets it done. But there was some drama all the way down to the end, and it was cool to see Roy McIlroy, who has right the game and the talent to be dominant, going after a 59. Like you could tell that 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 was big to him, and he was going after it. Maybe tried too hard. Maybe that was part of it, but he didn't get it done. But it was, wow, really fun golf to watch, no question about it. Super exciting. Um, that's what, right, that's what we have TVs for, just to see something like that for those of us that were not up there. So we'll just drive there, dive right into the numbers. There's some cool things that we can learn from this and some cool stuff on how dominant uh, Rory McIlroy actually was. So we first like to look at what this win did for Rory as far as FedEx Cup and World Golf Rankings. Well, Rory was fourth going into the tournament, so he's had a great year. We know he's won the players. He's had a great year. But by winning this tournament, he went from fourth to second, only behind Matt Kuchar. And then in the World Golf Rankings, he went from fourth to third, basically just switching places with Justin Rose. Now we'll look at his consistency number. Consistency number is essentially how many tour tournaments they've entered on the PGA Tour and how many cuts they've made. Right? We divide those and we come up with a, a number. So we take, he has played in 100, Rory has played in 162 PGA Tour events. He has made 140 cuts for an 86% consistency number. And how we use these consistency numbers, it's really easy to kind of go through. If you take somebody's, uh, if you take somebody's consistency number, you can kind of figure out really quickly where they kind of fit in the hierarchy of touring players. So Tiger Woods is the only one 90 and above. And then you've got a series of players who I like to call elite players that kind of fit into this 80% category. And that includes obviously Roy, Rory McIlroy. Patrick Cantley actually with his last win moved up into that 80% space, which I was uh, fascinated by. I didn't know that he'd been playing so well this year, but he has been. He's been doing it quite quietly, right? You've got uh, Brooks Kepka, You've got... I mean, basically the people you would expect, right? Um, we already talked about Rory McIlroy, but Francesco Molinari, when he went at Olin Palmer, that boosted him up into elite player status. Dustin Johnson is in that category. Phil Mickelson is in that category. And Justin Rose is in that category. And then you've got the next tier down of individuals in the 70s. That includes like a Matt Kuchar. It includes uh, a Paul Casey. These are the guys that make 70% 70, 70 of their cuts. Right, So that kind of gives you an idea. It's just a super easy way. I used to be so confused by, you know, you'd hear Matt Kuchar is so awesome. And then you'd hear, oh, Brent Snedeker is awesome. And then, oh, man, I could just never figure out, you know, based on consistency. We only get to really see the players that are playing well that week. We don't know how everybody else is doing and try to keep them all organized. So I came up with this consistency number to give me the ability to sort of go in and see, you know, what kind of player they've been over the course of their career. And it's actually worked out to be more of a, this consistency number is a great way to assess how strong their game is, their overall game. Because if you, if you make a lot of cuts, then your game is pretty solid in all areas. You don't have one huge glaring weakness. One huge glaring weakness can keep you out of a lot of cuts. Okay, so anyway, so 86% is Rory McIlroy's cut number. Uh, consistency number, which is puts him to be very elite. We're getting right up there to Tiger Woods' status. Tiger Woods at 91%. So, all right. And then we like to jump in and look at these benchmarks. Now, the benchmarks, obviously, for those that have been listening for a while, they are a set of numbers that come up with 
uh, based on tour uh, PGA Tour averages from 2018. And um, if we measure our game against these benchmarks, we can quickly see where our game is weak, and then we can systematically work on the weakest part of our game in order to get better. Going back to this consistency number, the players who are most consistent are most elite, right? So to have uh, any glaring weakness in your game is probably going to be where your game can benefit most quickly from improving in that area. So that's the whole point behind this consistency number. So we'll take a look at it real quick here. So um, first we look at driving accuracy. We will look at what not only what Rory McIlroy did this week, but compare that to his 2018 number, and then we'll compare that to the benchmark and see how that worked out. So Rory McIlroy for the week hit 66% of his fairways. Um, for all of 2018, he averaged 56%. So, obviously 10 points better for this week. That explains a little bit why he was able to do what he was able to do. Our benchmark for driving accuracy is 55%. So if we're hitting more than 55% of our fairways, then we're doing pretty well. Guys that hit less than 55% in 2018, um, Phil Mickelson and Tony Finau as examples. Uh, okay, so then greens and regulation for the week. Rory McIlroy hit six. I'm sorry, 76% of his greens in regulation, he averaged 66% over the course of 2018. Our benchmark is 65%. So again, Rory is just barely over our benchmarks in both of those areas. Just to kind of give you an idea of how strong these benchmark numbers are, those that hit less than 65% of the greens in 2018 include um, Patrick Reed, Phil Mickelson, Jason Duffner as examples. Okay, just to kind of give you some background as to how solid these numbers are. Sand saves, this is one where Rory actually, he only got up and down 40% of the time out of the sand for the week. He averaged 52% for all of 2018. Our benchmark for sand saves is 45%. Those that get up less than 40, up and down less than 45% in 2018, Tony Finau, Bubba Watson, Gary Woodland. All right, strokes gained putting for the week. Rory McIlroy averaged 1.5 strokes gain on the greens over the, over the, um, over those in that tournament, over the field in the Canadian Open, where he averaged all of 2018 only .06. He was a very average putter. He, he's been known to be a very average putter over the course of his career. But over the course of, of these four days, he averaged 1.57. The interesting thing about this is in the opening round, Rory McIlroy actually lost ground to the field on the green. Uh, half a stroke to the field, actually. It was, um, he, he lost 0.622 strokes to the field. So that wasn't his, uh, that wasn't the best, but he still was able to scrape out a 67 that first round, right? In the second round, he, that was actually his best putting round. He picked up almost three strokes on the field, on the putting green, but only managed six, a 66 that day. After putting, that was his strongest putting day, but he only managed a 66, um, which only one stroke better than his worst putty day when he lost ground to the field. Um, so that was a pretty interesting number as well. Round three, he, was, he picked up almost two strokes per round. He shot a 64, as we know. And then yesterday, it actually wasn't his putter that got it done for him. He averaged 1.68, which is still strong. He picked up, you know, over one and a half strokes per round on the putting green. But it was his... Um, 
tee to green game that did it for him. He didn't really need the putter that much for how strong he was off the tee through the green. So pretty impressive stuff. Okay, back to scrambling then. Um, so scrambling, Rory McIlroy averaged 65% for the Canadian Open. He averaged over the course of 2018, 63%. Our benchmark is 55%. So Rory's very fine there. We're going to get into putting. I know that we've changed putting a little bit, and I wasn't going to take it out, but I do still think that it's important for us to kind of get an idea of how these players are putting from these different distances just to keep it so we can be realistic with our own putting from those distances, even though we've maybe changed our strategy a little bit. So we'll go over them, and then we'll discuss the new strategy just to make sure everybody's on the same page. So putting from 20 to 25 feet in 2018, Rory McIlroy made 15% of those putts. Our benchmark is 9%, or at least it was. We're not going to worry about benchmarks necessarily for us anymore. But it was, it's, it was 9%. Um, so Rory McIlroy was really quite good from 20 to 25 feet. Now, uh, from 15 to 20 feet, Rory McIlroy was 16%. Our benchmark was 17%. So he's, again... We would say, as far as this goes, that would be a good place for Rory McIlroy to focus on, 15 to 20 footers. As a pro, I still think that that's important. As an amateur, I don't know how important that is anymore, and, and we'll discuss why in a minute. Putting from 10 to 15 feet, Rory McIlroy made 28% of those putts, and our benchmark was 28%. And then 5 feet and in, our benchmark is 80%. Rory McIlroy, his 2018 number was 81%, so just one point higher than our benchmark and he averaged 28.46 putts per round. Our benchmark is 30. So you can see that throughout all of this, Roy McIlroy is a, a very average putter, right? He was right up against our benchmarks on, in almost every number except 20 to 25 feet. He actually is quite strong from 20 to 25 feet. Now, how does this adjust our... I talked about a different strategy for getting better at putting. So Rory McIlroy puts 81, 81% from five feet. So our whole plan now, I guess, is, as amateurs, and all we're about here at Data Access Golf, and really all I think about is how is it possible for us as amateurs who have nine to five jobs, who have to work to put food on the table and do all that, don't have the trainers, the technologies, the, don't have the coaches and the, the mental coaches and the masseuse and all that stuff. How can we um, make practicing golf so efficient that we can go out and play well enough to enjoy it to perform as best as we possibly can and, and, and just have fun, right? And not, to worry, and not worry about our performance necessarily and know that we're doing what we can with what, we, with what we've got, what time we have. So we've changed our strategy a little bit on putting and that would be anytime you have time to practice your putting, practice five feet and in. And, and make sure that you are as good as you can possibly be from five feet and in. And when you're playing, and you're out there playing and stuff with the guys and everybody's putted out and stop, drop another one and make another practice putt at five feet and in. Just keep practicing five feet and in. And if we keep doing that and we get this percentage, our benchmark we had at 80%, but the higher we could get that number, the better off we're going to be. And, and I'll explain why. So if, if we have this five-foot circle around the hole and all we have to do is lag into that five-foot circle if we have like a 35-foot or a 40-foot or whatever, and even chipping around the green and even sand shots around the green. If we know, if we get it within this fifth, this five-foot radius all the way around, really, it's really, you know, five feet either side of the hole, it's a 10-foot it's a 
space there that we can now be looking at from the sand or whatever, and we know we can f- finish that ball somewhere within five feet around that hole, and we have a good 85, 90% chance of making that because we've worked so hard on that putting, our strokes will go down drastically. We'll be able to get up and down more, more efficiently. We'll be able to two-putt more efficiently. It also takes a great amount of stress off lag putting. I see so many people trying to make the 35-footers. Let's, let's, let's throw that away. I mean, Rory McIlroy here from 20 to 25 feet was making, you know, uh, 15%. But most everybody else makes, you know, less than that. And, and we're at 9% was our benchmark. So if 30 to 35 feet, you're talking a 5% make rate for a PGA Tour player. So let's get that out of our head completely where amateurs are out there playing. Anytime we have a lag putt, let's try to get it within five feet. And we've practiced our five-footers and in so much that we're very confident we can make that. That will take off a huge amount of stress off our games as amateurs. So when we're lag putting, when we're chipping, when we're coming out of the sand, all of that, it will reduce the pressure of our putting and make putting fun again. So if we just get super good at five-footers and in, it's going to make a huge change in our game. Okay, so that's how we've changed the putting a little bit to try to get better as amateurs. And so now we're going to dive into the money. This is always kind of a fun part of it as we look at it. So Rory McIlroy made $1.368 million for his victory, and he did that in 258 strokes. So let's work the math out there. Per day, Rory McIlroy made $342,000, which is great, but it's, you know, $220,000 dollars less than what he made per day when he won the Players' Championship, just to kind of give you an idea. (laughs) And then, um, so per hour, Rory McIlroy made $68,400, assuming a five-hour round. At the Players' Championship, Rory McIlroy made $112,500 per hour. Okay, so the differences in purses, obviously, and, and how many strokes he did. It took him, at the Players' Championship, it took him 272 strokes to win that tournament, it took him 258 strokes to do it here. And so if you go down to a per stroke average, the um, Rory McIlroy, his per stroke average is $5,300. At the Players' Championship, just because the purse is so huge, right, he made over two, he made 2.25 million and he made 1.368 million. So a full million dollars difference. His per per stroke average when he won the Players was $8,200. So pretty incredible stuff. His career money now is $47,635,133. He's getting close to that $50 million mark. As we said earlier, he has made 140 cuts. So Rory McIlroy averages $340,251 when he makes a cut. And that is, just for fun, I know I I did this the other day just because I wanted to see where Patrick Cantley kind of fit in. So Rory McIlroy, if you look at his per tournament, per tournament, uh, after making a cut, take home, average, is $340,000. The only person higher than him now of winners this year is, is, well, of anybody, right? We know it's always Tiger Woods. It's Tiger Woods. Tiger Woods makes $367,000. Four hundred and twenty-one dollars. The interesting thing about this is now Rory McIlroy, when he won the Players Championship, he was averaging three hundred and thirty-four thousand dollars per cut made. 
But now with this victory, it bumped him up $6,000 per cut made. Um, so that's kind of uh, interesting, kind of fun stuff there. But Rory McIlroy totally dominated um, this tournament to the point where... So I, I've started doing this recently. It's kind of a, a fun little thing to look at. Obviously, strokes gained is a um, calculation, is a data point where we are now able to compare every uh, very specific parts of a player's game compared against the field to see how dominant they were against the field for that particular week. And so we've been tracking that a little bit, went back and, and went back through the rest of the year to see how everybody's been doing. And to this point in the year, Dustin Johnson has been leading this, this dominance category of strokes gain with he, he picked up 20 strokes on the field based on how well he played against the field um, back when he won see which one was this the WGC Mexico okay and then Brooks Kepka was on I mean he looked like he was going to absolutely blow that out of the water on the you know at the PGA but he kind of came back to the field a little bit and worked out to be like 18 and a half strokes on the field that he was more dominant than the, than the field average was? Well, Rory McIlroy now has put together the most dominant performance on the PGA Tour this year. His strokes gained total for this tournament was 21.088. Puts him in first for the year. That's how dominant his performance was. He beat the field that badly. He beat, he beat, he beat the average of the field by 21 strokes in his performance and all the performance categories that they track. A truly dominant performance for sure. So now we've had to rearrange. So in first place now with the gold medal, as far as dominance goes, is Rory McIlroy with the 21. Dustin Johnson then comes in at second with his WGC win in Mexico at 20.4. Patrick Cantlay, who that's why I got interested in this last week because he had such a, an amazing performance that last day. He actually now is in third place for dominant performances on the PGA Tour this year at 19.2. And that then bumps Brooks Kepka down to fourth place for the year with his dominant performance at the PGA. So very cool stats, very cool data. Congratulations to Rory McIlroy. It's amazing um, to see how average Rory can be uh, over the course of an entire year. But then you have these flashes of brilliance where he can just throw it down. And obviously going into the U.S. Open this week, it's pretty exciting. At Pebble Beach, it's, a, it's super exciting. But his dominant performance uh, this week, let's see if it carries over to Pebble Beach. I would imagine that he's going to do quite well there. And again, super excited about uh, Fred Shoemaker, my mentor and coach. He will be joining us after uh, this week, after um, watching the... the um, Watch, watching the U.S. Open at Pebble Beach, and uh, we're going to discuss a lot of things golf. I'm really excited about it. It's going to be a really great discussion, and it'll be fun to kind of uh, allow you to get to know him better and understand his, how his mind thinks. It's, he's the one, he is the most br brilliant mind in golf as far as I'm concerned, So, and I read a lot of stuff, um, but he is amazing. So it'll be fun to talk to him. Until next time, it's great to be back doing the podcast as a podcast. Just a true flat-out podcast. No video cast going on at the same time. Nothing. It gives me the ability to really focus on the data and talk about it in a way that hopefully makes sense to those that are listening to the podcast. Until next time, remember, better data means better golf, especially for us amateurs. Thanks. 
Thanks for listening to Data Access Golf with Aaron Stewart. Check us out online at dataaccessgolf.com, and we'll see you on the next episode.